The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Debenport. And this is Voices of Unity starting a brand new year after the holidays. We are live on January 8th of 2019. If you're listening live, you know you can call us and join the conversation, which should be especially interesting today. But let me, I'll get to that in a second. I'm Ellen Devonport. Um, this show was created to invite different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise so that you can dive deep into spiritual topics and discover new ideas and practices to enhance your life. I'm the host and kind of an MC for this show. At the beginning of every new series, I refresh you on who I am. Uh, I'm a unity minister. I'm the author of two books, The Five Principles and Hell in the Hallway, Light at the Door. I had two churches in Texas, and now I'm working at Unity World Headquarters, which is just outside Kansas City, Missouri, and that's where we're broadcasting. I'm in charge of the communications department, so I get to oversee the magazines, the websites, the social media, all the ways we communicate. Uh, People all over the world are excited to learn about the ancient principles taught in Unity, especially that enormous and growing group of people who describe themselves as spiritual but not religious, or nuns, N-O-N-E-S. So this show is sometimes specifically about unity teachings and sometimes not. Some of the guests are ministers and some are not. But they're sharing something special that they've learned, a body of work. And they're not just one-time guests. They come and stay for four or six or eight weeks so we can truly explore their areas of special interest. And today our guest is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck, here with me in the studio at Unity Tower. Thanks for being here. I'm so delighted to be here, starting 2019 with you. Yes. Paul is, Paul has a very long bio, but he is, I think, uh, above all things, a teacher. He has spent years teaching Unity students, ministerial students, lay people. You can always spot Paul's students because they're using his language and they're using his ideas. Uh, and we'll talk a lot more about that in these next four weeks. He has been a huge influence on Unity's thinking and teachings, especially in the past decade or so. He has a long list of books that he's published, and he was on this network for 11 years, right? Yes. A show called Metaphysical Romp, and there were two versions of it, one and two, all still in the archives if you want to go back and listen to what he was saying and how he was developing his own thinking about metaphysics. We decided for these four weeks we would talk about the absolute Fillmore. Paul is a specialist in Charles Fillmore, Unity's co-founder. He is extremely familiar with published and unpublished works of Charles. If you're new to Unity, this will be a deep dive into the thoughts of our founder and the teachings of this movement. 
If you're familiar with Unity, you'll still probably learn something new because every time I talk to Paul, he has discovered something in Charles Fillmore that I never heard before or never thought of that way before. We keep discovering things. We keep reading them in a new light. I'm not sure exactly where Paul will take us during these weeks. Charles Fillmore is not beach reading. It's... um, (laughs) A lot of people find it difficult, and and I think more so as the years go by between the time he was writing. So let's start with the title of this series, Absolute Fillmore. What does that even mean? Yeah, what in the world does that mean? So um, as I was taking my own deep dive into Charles Fillmore, um, I, I pretty much started with um, a, a really odd place in that uh, – the sense of God being separate, even though we didn't teach God was separate, there was that sense in me. And as I began to take the deep dive into Fillmore and understand his language, a point of view became apparent that is sprinkled through the published writings and the unpublished writings like um, like a trail to follow. Mm-hmm. Because certainly... In reading so much of Charles Fillmore, he certainly expresses and talks about God in, in, in the ways in which we talk about or I talk about levels of consciousness. And so those four levels are victim consciousness, victor consciousness, vessel consciousness, and verity consciousness. And, and ironically, we can find places in Fillmore where, where he's referring to God in more of a victim way. Though, really? Those are very, very few. And then in Victor consciousness, we find a good number that the majority of Fillmore's writing, even Myrtle's, is in the vessel format, that, that God is within us somehow, but still not us somehow. And so there's that sense of separation there. And I guess that's where I was coming at the teaching when I was uh, hired in the retreat department in 1998. And then as I took this deep dive, like I said earlier, I just began to see these little nuggets. And at first I thought they were only in the early writings, but then I found them in uh, Adam Smashing Power of Mind, which was released in the 40s. So they're sprinkled throughout like little gems for us to find. And I don't know uh, if that was intentional since he wasn't the one who assembled the books. Uh, he spoke mostly and that material was transcribed and then assembled into the materials we have today. So nevertheless, this this absolute idea that it's somehow, some way, at the core of our beingness, we are the divine, is found throughout the writings. And that's what I mean by absolute. And absolute in this context means um, unchanged, unchanging, unchangeable, and utterly dependable because of that. And most of us are are raised with a God that is uh, whimsical in some ways. A trickster sometimes. The trickster. Oh, that's such a good word. A trickster. Uh, as a kid, it felt like God punished me when I did good and rewarded me when I did bad. <laughs> uh, 
either God's timing was off or mine, probably mine. So, or, or God's out to get me in some way. Absolutely. Is, and is that the victim consciousness you were talking yeah, about? Yeah, that, that's the victim consciousness. And Charles, Charles got into that? Yeah, so the way Charles gets into that, he kind of backs into that in, in the sense that if you don't follow the principles and laws – you will be punished by the laws. That's how it reads. But it's really our misuse of the laws that when we really get to understand it, that's what he's referring to. But interesting because I think so many people are afraid of the laws. Absolutely. If I, if I think negatively, bad things will happen to me. Yes. So uh, there's a big problem in the movement that I'm seeking to – resolve is we talk about laws, we talk about principles in these vague ways, but no one ever invested the time to ferret out what those laws, those immutable, unchangeable laws of mind are beyond just a few Mm -hmm. and the principles beyond the 12 powers. So uh, if, if we're going to consciously use the laws, we must know what they are specifically and how they work in mind. And another problem with the laws is is when a person becomes aware of a law of mind, they assume it pertains to the outer physical realm in the same way, and they do not. It's pretty much like this. The laws of chemistry apply to chemistry, but don't apply to quantum physics. The law of electricity applied to electricity, but don't apply to the law of gravity. And so that's a very similar thing with the laws of consciousness applied to the laws of mind, but do not work exactly the same way in the outer realm of physicality. They have their own domain. Okay, so we've already got four weeks worth of stuff to talk about here. Um, let's go back to absolute Fillmore, though. Okay. Uh, verity consciousness is a term that... I've heard from you and your students, verity means truth. Truth. Right? Yes. So is verity consciousness the same as absolute? Yes. Okay. So the absolute realm is that is that a realm that contains uh, principles and laws that are immutable and unchangeable. Absolute consciousness is a consciousness we manifest from those principles and laws at, at the highest level possible. So, so this absolute consciousness is really a part of the changeable, uh, the changeable realms. Okay, and I almost hate to ask this question, but... Oh, go for it. Because I've heard you <laughs> talk about it before. It sounds like you're differentiating between principles and laws. I am. I always use them interchangeably. Yes, and and there's there's good reason for it because Myrtle and Charles did that sometimes and other times they didn't. Uh, so just as an example, it, it's in a vague way, but if they – if they believed principles and laws were truly synonyms for each other, why would they say practice the principles and laws? Hmm. You would only need one word. Right. Okay. And uh, if we look up in Merriam-Webster, principle is defined two ways. It's defined as law or as fact. And so I have decided to – to parse those apart, uh, principle and law, where principle refers to an immutable spiritual fact or universal fact or constant or divine idea, 
where the laws tell us how they use them. And we got to remember that Charles, or in the revealing word, defined law as principle and action. Okay, so there are mathematical principles. Yes. I'm using the law when I add two plus two? You're using the laws of mathematics. Because it's an action? Yes. Okay, I get that. Yeah. That's not as complicated as I thought it might be. No. So let me just give you an example. Okay. Because you know me. My favorite line is what happens in vagueness stays in vagueness. <laughs> so I, I like to work in, 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 in specifics. So if we, if we look at mind idea expression as a law, uh, that has two names. One of the names upsets people when I tell them it's the law of divine order because they want divine order to be God said it would be this way. And the other is, has been called the creative law. So the concept is everything comes into expression or existence through a process of mind, idea, expression. It's an orderly sequence. Expression doesn't happen and then idea happens, then mind happens. Right. Or idea doesn't happen and then exp- – so it's an orderly process, okay? And – and it really works with the law of mind action, which might be another form of it, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> so, so when we hold an idea in mind with feeling, we get an experience of it internally in our bodies and in our consciousness, and then we can choose to take action on it. When we are holding an idea in mind with feeling, we are desiring that idea in the moment. And for me, desiring comes under the, the, uh, the principle of love. So that is one of the 12 powers. It's one of the 12 divine ideas. Mm-hmm. We are also, when we're holding that idea in mind with feeling, in that moment, we're also giving it life. That's the principle of life in action. So, so that's just a real quick example how law, mind, AD, expression, uses at least two principles, love and life. Mind, idea, expression, I've heard to re- referred to as um, unity's trinity. So it, it, it is unity's trinity, and we'll be talking about that in the last program, in okay. four under manifestation. Okay. So that's a teaser for the listeners. So we'll get to manifestation. We will get to manifestation big time at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So where, um, where do we go from here? Three faces of God, the different ways Fillmore talked about God. Yes. Yeah, so my focus is on this absolute, this, this knowing that in some way, somehow, my fundamental nature is divine. Fundamentally, each of us is divine. And my goal is to get as many unity people to move from that vessel idea that God is in us like a wiener in a bun to the idea that our essence is made up of these principles and laws. Okay. Okay. And so when we talk about the, uh, I thought the 
Actually, you kind of teased me on this, and as I reflected on it, it was a good idea. It's very popular now to talk about the three faces of God, which I think is an, an unfortunate and deceptive title because it would lead one to believe that God has a face. In fact, he has three of them. Um, and in fact, it's really talking about three ways we can perceive God. It is. Okay. But I love the three faces of God. However, we have a caller. Oh, good. Want to, you want to see what he has to say? Yes. This is Bill. Bill, you are on the air. Yes, thank you. Hi, guys. Uh, Hi. My question, Paul, would you mind elaborating on the concept of thoughts held in mind produce after their kind? Oh, of course I can do that. So that, so that law, which is called the law of mind action, is, um, is thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. And is, in all simplifications, it leaves out information that is important to the user. And so I think it's more accurate to say thoughts held in mind with feeling produced more and similar thoughts with feelings of the same kind in mind. Often that law is they skip that's we skip over what's happening in consciousness first and think that uh, thoughts held in mind produce after their kind in the outer realm somehow. And that indeed can happen. However, first you have to build up I love the way Myrtle said this. We have to build up in consciousness a thought colony around that seed thought that we're holding with feeling. So the first thing we do, we hold a thought in mind with feeling, and we begin to experience related thoughts and ideas with their own feeling nature until we build up enough oomph or enough substance until we take action on it in the outer realm or not. Now, clearly, because of what we've learned from physiology over the years is that uh, the first place that a thought held in mind manifests in the physical body is by some sort of chemical something happening in the body. And that's 100%. So the thoughts we hold in mind with feeling produce some effect at the level of our body. Whether something happens beyond our bodies, I like to say, is a bit of a crapshoot and usually requires us taking some sort of action. And and that will be more about manifestation? So that's about manifestation. Okay. Yep. Bill, thanks for calling. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Bill. Okay, you bet. Um, law of mind action and law of attraction are different in your mind? Yes and no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, I like to call it the law of affinity because we – the way I observe it, I don't attract, attract things and people to me. When I hold a thought feeling in mind, I attract myself to things and people. So I have an affinity for those things. So, we, so the way the law of mind action works in mind, we could call like a, a law of attraction. When I hold that thought in mind, in my mind, I attract more thoughts, ideas, and feelings of the same kind. That's how we form the colony. Whether it happens beyond the physical body requires action of some sort. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Except when it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So we have um, 
Actually, we have some time left, five or six minutes. Let's go back to the three faces. Okay. So the three faces of God are really three perceptions. And um, as that idea was uh, becoming popular, I was finding something that Charles wrote back, uh, what was it? In nine, wrote about it in 1930. And I said, oh, so Charles is again ahead of the curve by about 60 years <laughs> or 80 years. Yeah, so he always was, right? So um, so just to remind people, so we're talking about uh, God in the third person where we refer to God as he or she. Uh, God in the second person when we, when we pray to God and we're using the uh, – the form of you, and then first person is the I-we perspective, and really talking about the I. So I came across this wonderful quote in a talk that Charles gave in August 24th, 1930. It's unpublished. Um, the reason why it attracted me was the name, Human Love and Divine Love, but this, this particular quote has nothing to do with that. So here's what Charles said. A lady told me yesterday that she attended a Bible study class in Chicago, and she was asked to give a prayer, and she talked to God and called him you. And after the class, the teacher went to her and said, you committed an error in your familiarity with God. You haven't reverence enough. You should never say you to God. So we should say right there that in that sentence, we have God being referred to as him in the second person mm -hmm. and you in the third person. And then Charles goes on to say, there is separation in Bible teachers between man and God. God is the spirit of God within you. Talk to God all that you can. Don't speak to him as existing in the third person. It may be in our present development that we speak to him in the second person, but the time is coming when we shall speak of him in the first person. And then we can say with Jesus, he hath seen me, hath seen the Father. We speak to him in the third person and then in the second person, but eventually we shall displace all separation and we shall say, this is the Father, what you see is God. He who hath seen me has seen the Father, said Jesus, and he commanded us to follow his sayings and to, and to do as he did. Now, here's the clincher. So this is 1930. We are here this morning to fulfill this law of divine unity, to unify ourselves with the spirit of love within every one of us. Now, the weird thing about this paragraph is he's refer Charles is referring to God as him all along. Mm -hmm. So so he's talking to God or speaking to God as if he was in the third person. However, he's in he's encouraging us to speak about God in the first person, and that is I am divine. Right. Yeah. And so this is just a very powerful statement of that. And yes, we might begin and we might even have moments uh, even as we're practicing to claim that divinity within us, there may be moments that we refer to God as you or him. And the goal is is to displace that separation within us. Right. So I've heard the three faces of God also described as third person is God as all there is, which would be an it. Mm-hmm. Um, Second person is a relationship, I and thou. Yeah. And first person is the divine within, so it's I, first yeah. person. 
I think unity may have an allergy, as our friend Kelly would say, to God as you, because we're trying not to invoke that separation. And as soon as I say, I'm one thing and you're another, Mm -hmm. we've got that separation. Yes. We're aiming for the first person. Yes. And now I'm experiencing some backlash about that. No, you have to have a relationship with God. Uh, it's unhealthy if you don't. So uh, where do you come down? I am that? so glad you brought that up because that's been a, a question I've gotten from students for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to noodle a little bit, you know, think think about what would be the best response. But first I want to respond to what you said uh, that God, uh, God, you said God, the first thing you talked about, God is bigger, God is... Third person and God is all that is. Okay, so so God is not all that is in my theological structure. Aww. God God is all that is that makes everything possible. Okay. Okay, so God can't be this table because the table changes. However, we couldn't have the table without the principles and laws that make table possible. And when we say God is all that is... Uh, that is such a vague statement that just think about somebody sitting in a congregation and and he's going through a divorce and and the minister says god is all that there is that person can say my divorce is god and get a little confused right okay and the problem we the problem that happens when we think about god as all that there is we do what you did and the, and the listeners couldn't see it where you throw your arms as like god is all that there you is you have to wave your arms when you talk about god the transcendent god yes so the so the thing is is that is that what what we do because we are physical beings living in physicality is think about god in physical terms when when god is everywhere totally present okay all that god is is everywhere it is there isn't a piece of god here there isn't a piece of god there that you have to collect and get together so so yes god is transcendent okay and god is imminent because the totality of god is at the point of you and the point of me so the talking about a transcendent god is an interesting concept but not very useful (laughs) <laughs> okay? Because it leads us off in a in a sense of separation. So okay. I, I hear the music. I hear the music. We, when I come back, or we come back, we will handle that question. We'll handle that question. <laughs> this is Paul Hasselbeck talking, and I'm Ellen Devonport. We'll be back after these messages with Voices of Unity. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation. Or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. 
Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Reverend Blair Tabor from Unity San Diego, taken from a talk called Sacred Service, The Ultimate Spiritual Growth. Who we are and who we perceive ourselves to be as human beings is just such a small part of who we are as spiritual beings. Remember the phrase that I like, you know, Emily Cady says, God did not make you to be spiritual pygmies, but spiritual giants. You know, and do we live as if we're spiritual giants? No, we don't. We live, we live as if we're you know, weak human beings. You know, we're spiritual giants. We need to live that way in our lives. So we have to let go of the ego. It's a challenge because we spent so much energy and focus on, on our ego on dressing a certain way and talking a certain way and looking a certain way and, and lining ourselves in certain ways to, to uphold that ego identity. But as we're willing to let that go, let it be permeable to spirit, then what we find is we're connected to that infinite oneness that is God. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times, and the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. More and more people are interested in a vegan lifestyle, and the numbers continue to grow. Join Victoria Moran every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central for Main Street Vegan and learn how to make the shift to help animals and the planet. Each week, Victoria shares recipes, health tips, and interviews with celebrity vegans, experts, and activists. Learn how to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Right here on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Devonport. What? We're back with Voices of Unity. This is Ellen Devonport. We were continuing our conversation during the break, and we will fill you in. I'm here with the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. Hey, Paul, before we get started again, yep. tell people how to find out more about you. You have a website? Yes, so I have a website, paulhasselbeck.com, where um, I list my calendar, uh, where I'm appearing around the country, preaching and teaching. Uh, I also have some metaphysical ideas in there that I add to from time to time, not very often. Uh, I promote my books. And it's also where I post my weekly blog called The Absolute Word, which Unity has graciously given me permission to convert Sunday's Daily Word into a more oneness language version. Which is always interesting to read. Good. I'm uh, glad to hear you read it from time to time. I do. Well, thank you. And, yeah, we won't argue about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like it very much. Well, thank you. 
we were talking about the three faces of God, and yes. I was saying I have probably preached too much about God is not separate, and therefore God is not you, and so you don't start a prayer with dear God. Yep. And my congregation, for the most part, wasn't buying it. Okay. They want a God out there that they can talk to, yep. that is bigger than they are, that's in charge of their lives. Yes. And I have recently been upbraided by at least one unity minister who says, absolutely, you've got to have a relationship with God. It's not healthy if you don't have a relationship. What should I have said? Okay. I will tell you what I would say. Okay. Okay. So first I'll ask you, do you talk to yourself? Yes. Okay. So I constantly talk to myself. And uh, as long as it's not pathological, it's healthy, right? So I, when I'm talking to myself, I in no way think there's another Paul I'm talking to. It's like my ego, my personality is having a conversation with myself to have an understanding, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Okay. When I began making the uh, transition from God as a something bigger than me and separate from me somehow, in me but separate, blah, blah, you know, all, right. all of that, I realized I can talk to my higher self just like I talk to my personality. Mm-hmm. So I have conversations uh, all the time with my higher self. And that higher self is essentially the highest consciousness that I have using divine law and divine principle. And that's, that's the self I get direction from and guidance from. And I'm really clear that it's not separate from me. It's the highest aspect of me. And that's what I use to guide myself and direct myself. You're bound to have had students who said, then you're praying to yourself? So there's, it's not a praying to that's a big problem we have in unity. We still haven't washed two out of our, our vocabulary. I'm, it's a sense I'm praying with myself. Okay. Okay. Now, the problem is part of that theology about prayer is then there is the belief in the Santa Claus God or the concierge God. I'm never asking God to give me things. I'm not asking my higher self to give me things and stuff and that. I am depending on the higher principles of wisdom and understanding and will and all of those to make my choices at the highest level. After all, fundamentally, prayer is not about changing God. It's about changing our consciousness. And that should be our starting point all of the time. And yes, uh, we get pushback because uh, people still want that exterior or interior, something bigger than them, that's going to help them through their problems. And I would say my experience using my higher self based on principle and laws is infinitely more dependable than a God I hand off my problems to. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what we teach in unity, and I think even in unity we have trouble believing it, is that we are divine beings. We are God in expression, which means we have Wait, access. wait, 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 what? wait, what? wait, wait. 
when when we say we are God in expression, it makes it sound like there's a God that's expressing us, which is separation. Okay. Okay. So so what I would say is you are divine beingness, mm-hmm. not separate or different from anybody else's fundamental essential reality. Somehow, some way, it is you that is using divine principle to express Ellen Devonport, the personality, and in some way, the physical body. Okay. Okay, so I'm not an expression of God. That's what I mean when I say expression of God. Okay, so your language isn't clear enough. Okay. That, that's all I would say. I would, that's, and in front of a con- congregation, that might be useful. <laughs> beingness is a little esoteric. So beingness doesn't exist in the dictionary. It's a word I made up. Okay. Okay. And, and there's a good reason for it. And most of the things I do, there's a good reason. But some people think they're bad reasons. <laughs> so so, so – have you done the experience where, where they ask you to read a paragraph and to count the number of times the word the is in there? No. No. Okay. So so the mind is a filter and it's and it adds things too. Mm-hmm. Okay? So when when Myrtle and Charles said God is being, what we tend to do when we when we believe God is a being, we insert the word a unconsciously mm-hmm. and we when we misread the sentence and so when charles and merle said god is being they were referring to something that i would call god is beingness now to be totally fair there's other places where they refer to god as a being or the being because unfortunately myrtle and charles were neither consistent nor precise over time well, and let's talk about that for a minute because okay. you can use Myrtle and Charles to back up nearly anything. Yes. You can find a place where they talk to God as you and they called him father and they called him him. Yes. And so what are we to do with that? Okay. So. And then we have a caller. So, and I re- recommend people do what I do. I chose from the writings what was to me the highest expression of consciousness. And so that gets me to the absolute. And so uh, that means I also have to let go of those other forms. So it's, it's up to the individual what, what you do with, with the writings. And uh, I, I kind of feel sorry that we keep Myrtle stuck in the idea I'm a child of God and therefore I do not inherit sickness. We, we don't let her mature beyond that. And she matured beyond that by defining what she meant. Child of God is an idea of mind. Mm -hmm. And so she really saw herself as an idea of mind. Mm -hmm. But readers don't get that. Our average congregant doesn't get that because they've been taught they're a child of God and they take it literally. And argue for it. And argue for it. I've had that argument. Yes. We have a caller named Jeff. Jeff, are you there? I'm here. Hey, you're on the air with Paul. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Paul. You know who which Jeff this is? I just recognized your voice. I hope so. Good to hear you. It's 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 so weird to hear you and not see you. 
I'm like, I, I need to see him for the whole picture. The disembodied uh, Paul. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a, a figment. Uh, hey, Alan, good morning. It's nice to hear your voice, too. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I haven't ever met you, but I know that we're going to meet, and it won't be long. Um, I had a uh, thought about the separation issue um, in prayer. And what I think works for me is that instead of praying to God, that I, I find that separation is greatly diminished in contemplative prayer. So in meditation is where I, I feel more like the connection. Yes, yeah, so Jeff, that, that that's the very reason that the five-step prayer process that Unity promotes, where the third step is meditation, where we have an opportunity to um, align and remember ourselves as a divine. In my opinion, of course, it's always in my opinion, prayer is and a that's horrible word. <laughs> prayer is a hor- horrible <laughs> word for us to use for what Unity does because it has all the baggage of our traditional theology. And and I can say to people, we don't pray to God, we pray from God. And it probably would be better to say we pray from the consciousness of divine law and, and according to principle. And um, that, to me, is a clearer statement. And our cousins in religious science call it mind treatment and that's exactly what we're doing we're treating our 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 relative mind our little m mind and so i'm i'm looking for a better word than prayer so oh, get, okay. get get rid of the baggage but and you're absolutely right because we 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 align ourselves we remember well let me just say this i'll just go even more radical Okay. My physical body and my personality sitting here in this room with the lovely Ellen is separate from her. Where we're one is in our divinity. Right. We're one yeah. in our divinity. So, uh, so some people take it, seem to be taking it more literal. So just clearing that up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> just throwing that one out. <laughs> Jeff, thanks right. for calling. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Ellen. Thank you. I love your book, Ellen, The Five Principles, and I'm actually going to use it in the – I'm going to teach the membership class starting in January. So uh, thank you for that, and, yeah. and I'll be in touch. Okay. That's good to hear. Thanks. Great. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Paul. Good to hear from you. Good to hear you. Okay. <laughs> Is there any way to bring this down to a little more practical level of how we live as beingness. Yes. All right. So so here's here's the cool part. We are beingness living as human beings. Mm-hmm. Okay? So uh, Charles said God is not living. God is life. So we're the ones converting the uh, limiting, we could say, the principle or divine idea of life into what we call living. Shocking to other people is that God said, uh, Charles said, God is not loving, God is love, the principle of love. And so um, the practical part for me is now God is utterly dependable and utterly usable. 
because I don't see God as source anymore. I see divine principle and law as resource. And actually, that is a term that Charles used, uh, but didn't gain any any traction to speak of. Because when we think of God as source, uh, there seems to be activity in God giving us stuff. In resource, God, uh, the, the, the principles and laws are like a warehouse of potentialities. And Charles said in Adam's Smashing Power of Mind something like, divine ideas are potential forces waiting to be put in motion by a formative faculty. That formative faculty is the thinking nature of man. And so divine ideas and principles are potentials. And that potential only gets realized when, one, we know what they are, well, they, they get used if we don't know what they are because you cannot do anything without a principle or a law. But it becomes more effective when we know what those principles are and we use them consciously according to law so we get the best outcome. Okay. Is our divinity the Holy Spirit the same as the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. Oh, my gosh. Bless their hearts. So let me just let me just share with folks how I one of the ways in which I got where I am. So we live in a wonderful, marvelous time when we have all the books in digital form. And so I have a file and many people do of all the books, one file, all the unity, books. all the all all the Fillmore books, plus lessons in truth. Okay, okay. I took out dynamics for living because that's a little bit digested. So um In my airplane time, some of the things I do, so I literally looked up every instance of Holy Spirit in every book to get clear what they meant. I did not get clear. Because were were they clear on what they meant? No, they were all over the planet. However, (laughs) Myrtle, I'm going to give you a paraphrase, Myrtle gave... um, gave a really good definition of it was something like holy spirit is the activity of god mind at the point of our mind okay okay now that has trouble because something that does not change cannot have activity all right okay because activity implies change however let's go to that last quote i talked to you about Mm mm-hmm because this was this is one of those shocking things uh, and wonderful things. So, uh, folks, this comes from a class that Charles Fillmore taught in the early 30s to ministerial store students. And the title of it is Releasing the Holy Spirit of God in Man. So Charles is speaking. He says, we have within us, every one of us, the key that unlocks the understanding of God. And that key is to know ourselves. Then you will know the Father. So he's still using this very traditional language. He always Mm -hmm. did. But the key for the Holy Spirit is in the activity of the executive power of man's mind. You know we base our thinking upon capital M mind and then the idea in mind and then the manifestation or expression of the idea. Okay. So to me, what that is saying is – in each of us, we have mind, idea, expression right. as a capacity or a law. Mm-hmm. Okay, Charles is saying that's the Holy Spirit. 
and then you use that law to get your outcomes. And I'll go on. I'll show you how he says this. He says, in other words, so mind AD expression, in other words, the power of thought. We have within us everything that is within the universal. So that's the word I tend to use now when I'm referring to the divine, but with a capital U, the universal. Not the universe. Not the universe. Okay. okay. So that's in other words, terms. Charles, when he talked about the universe, was sometimes talking about the physical universe mm-hmm. and the spiritual universe. And you have to discern which he's talking about. So he says, does that mean we have the same power that God has? Yes. The idea of power has been put into every one of us. That's a train wreck because it sounds like God put it in us when really it's our innate nature. And then he goes on. This mind is incorporating and expressing through its thoughts and activity the great omnipresent mind of God. Think of yourself in a larger way than you have before. Quit thinking about yourself as a limited personal being. Think about yourself as spirit, as the Holy Spirit. And what is that? It means the Holy Spirit. People say, do you mean to say that man is the Holy Spirit or God? Yes, certainly. All that the Father has, he has given to the Son, train wreck. God is spirit, and all this spirit is involved in our consciousness, just waiting for your recognition. And faith is the recognition of the mind and the realm beyond its present capacity to assimilate. So the Holy Spirit, at least in this document, is that mind idea expression or mind idea manifestation capacity we have within us. And, and so, so uh, capital M, mind, capital I, idea, they don't change. They're in the absolute realm. The Holy Spirit, mind, idea, expression, that doesn't change in the relative realm, just like the laws of math don't change in the relative realm. What changes is our use of it and expression of it. When I was in ministerial school, I was taught that the Holy Spirit, this was the answer on the test, the Holy Spirit is the creative activity of God on the earth. So that, that works better for me as the creative activity of God in your mind. And, and what we have to understand is we say create. So mind idea expression is called the creative law. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so it's the activity, but it doesn't tell what it's active with. You choose that. That you, have, you are the executive power at the point of view, using the power of will, by the way. To take action? To take action or just to have a thought, mm-hmm. a random thought. We are never – we never stop using mind, idea, expression. It's always running um, consciously or unconsciously. It's a law. How did you get to this? How did you get past your embedded theology, whatever it was? Oh, my gosh. In order to think of yourself this way? So you have to have an open mind, and uh, my dear friend uh, and co-author, Bill Holton, uh, I don't know where he got this, but and it's brilliant. We go through life seeking answers to our questions, and it's equally important we question our answers. And so for me, 
uh, we did this personality test while here at Unity Village, and my knack is is finding the flaw in the ointment. (laughs) I find a thing that can get in the way. You are good at that. So that's 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 what I do naturally, and so really, what happened? The reason why I I tithe to to students through scholarships is because it's it's that interaction of me with those students questioning my answers mm-hmm. that bring it into question, and then I look at it again and again. And if my answer if if, if this answer isn't fitting, then then I noodle it. I, I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to think of the, a recent example. Um, oh, so you know the quote that says, God is I am and man is I will? Yes. Okay. Up until recently, I thought that was like, uh, I will do this. Mm-hmm. It's not that. What is it? It's It's man wills. To do thing, it's the power of will. Man chooses. Yeah, isn't that the same as I will do? No, no, because before you can do, you have to will it. Yes. Yes. It's like the idea before the expression. Right. Precisely. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's so that I will is is the power of will. Which we just read is our exec. We, Charles has always defined it as the executive faculty. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so uh, it just works for me, and so I've gotten where I am because of students asking questions and me finding things in Fillmore randomly. By so it's amazing what I've learned. Like just going through and looking at every instant of Christ that mm-hmm. showed up. Because I have to read the whole paragraph to get context. Right. And then new information, new information. So it's been uh, like revelation after revelation and, and, and working with people who are in a similar strain, um, like my friends Bill and Cher Holton and uh, other, other students as well, questioning my answers. You did Metaphysical Romp too with Bill and Cher Holton. Yes, so, so, so there's a lot of them available on this network. Yes. So the ones that are available on this network uh, go from, uh, ooh, I think, June of 2004. No, no. 2014 till sometime last year. Mm-hmm. And then we, we moved Metaphysical Romp onto our own website. And we are hosting it ourselves at metaphysicalromp2.com. Okay. And editing ourselves and that sort of thing. I didn't know you were still doing it. Oh, yeah. It's a passion for the three of us. Yeah. We call it romping around the virtual kitchen table. (laughs) (laughs) So the students have been your catalyst for a lot of this. Yes. But what an enormous undertaking to go digitally and search for words like Christ in all of Fillmore and you must have a lot more books to write. Oh my gosh. There's there's one almost done on the principles and um, premises that's almost finished. Its companion book should come out shortly after on the laws and rules. A lot of things Fillmore calls laws are really rules. And um, and then the third book that's circling the runway, so to speak, a little further away on the landing pattern, but way out, is a... Uh, 
I'm calling it now metaphysics for the 21st century. It's going to be uh, Paul Hasselbeck's understanding of metaphysics in plain English, in Merriam-Webster English. No jargon, no Christian terminology. No words like beingness? Well, so beingness I'll probably have to use. (laughs) So there's probably going to have to be a a glossary. (laughs) Okay. We could use a glossary. Paul uh, sent me a little one called Translating Fillmore, and uh, we'll be talking about it as we go through this series. Paul, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a delight. We will be back next week talking about, oh, we're going to talk about prayer. Yes. Affirmative prayer. Yes. What Fillmore said about it, what Paul says about it. So get ready to be shocked. All right. Thank you very much. This is Ellen Devonport. With Voices of Unity, we'll be back next week with much more. Goodbye, all. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.